get used to the mantra, all gas, no brake. We're gonna find passionate people that love the game of football, that they hate losing more than they love winning. What is going on, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Jetsway Podcast. Jake, Sean, Lorenzo, back again to discuss the New York Jets with the draft. Just about two weeks away, gentlemen. Two weeks away. Um, a lot to cover today. We have draft talk, Zach Wilson, of course, other prospects the Jets could draft at 23 and rounds after that. Later on in the show, we have a very loyal listener and very uh, good friend of the Jetsway Podcast, Joe joining us can't wait to talk to him give a little shout out to a very loyal listener as I alluded to before Uh, just always good to hear from our listeners guys and I'm glad we had that opportunity tonight but first what's going on man I'm doing all right you know I just want to watch the Mets play and they're not letting us watch the Mets play but other than that I'm good I'm doing all right I'm doing all right can't complain same boat as Sean just want to watch some some baseball with the boys but uh, glad to talk football with you guys. Yeah, I, I think after what was the last time the Mets played? It was on Saturday, right? Saturday, yeah. Yeah. Saturday, and it was when they didn't score runs for Degrom again. Yeah, and the first series against the Nats got uh, postponed too, which has been a disaster so far. Yeah, it's, baseball's crazy this year. I really hate that extra innings rule. I know we're a little bit off brand here, but. I don't like that rule at all, man. It's like if you don't want to watch the baseball game because it's too long for you, you know, don't don't watch. I just I feel like it's very – it's a guy on second base. Yeah. Really? I'm not going to lie. That's just my opinion, man. I, I don't like it that it starts in the 10th inning, but, like, if they did it where it was, like, after the 12th, then you do that, like, I could maybe see an argument for that. But, like, I think the 10th is a little bit too early for, like, rule changing like that. I like that rule better than the um, seven-inning doubleheaders. Those are just terrible. Yeah, those don't feel like authentic games. Yeah, that's like a football yeah, game right. where that, – that's like a football game where in overtime, let's just start on the 10-yard line. You know yeah. what I'm saying? On the, the, you know, the, the opposition's 10. And <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. But All right, boys. So, very busy week of Jets football. Sam Darnold had his introductory press conference with the Carolina Panthers. Um, so, out with the old – in with the new Zach Wilson betting odds to go to the Jets at two overall has gone all the way up to minus 3000. Um, in other news, Justin Fields is scheduled for his second pro day. I believe it's tomorrow. If I'm not mistaken, it's sometime this week. And the only two teams that are confirmed going are the San Francisco 49ers who hold the third pick in the NFL draft, as well as the new England Patriots. And, a team that's most notably not on there is the New York Jets. And I don't know. It just feels like if the Jets were really interested in Justin Fields, A, why are other teams still going if they have that inkling? And B, more importantly, why are the New York Jets not going to Justin Fields a second pro day? If you guys want to chime in there and let me know your thoughts on that. I definitely think Zach Wilson is a lock. I mean, as far as lock as it can be, you know, bearing something not expected. But I think just how seeing how Joe Douglas and Zach Wilson um, interacted with with each other at Zach Wilson's pro day um, and hearing 
about uh, Joe Douglas, you know, going to see his family. I think it's pretty much a lock at this point. Yeah, I definitely agree. It certainly feels like a lock, and I think we'll be seeing um, Zach Wilson in that green soon. You know what really cracks me up, though, about Zach Wilson? Now all of a sudden you hear guys like Colin Coward, Stephen A. Smith, very more mainstream media, acting like they really know what they're talking about. Like, they watch so much BYU football this year. Like, give me a break. Of course, right? All of a sudden, if another team was picking second overall, you'd be hearing, oh, Zach Wilson can do all these. (laughs) If any other team was there, you'd be hearing all this positivity about this kid. But they're just getting him groomed, I guess, for what's to come as a member of New York Jets. And, um, you know, granted, I do understand that the, the criticism that people have about Justin Fields is a little unfair as well at times. But it feels like the media, oh, my God, Justin Fields, how is he not the second overall pick? But then you start to hear more from guys that actually dig into the tape and know a thing or two about playing quarterback in the National Football League, like Chris Sims. Really good podcast. I'll say it again. Unbuttoned with Chris Sims. He does a breakdown on each player and backs up why he has them in their top five, not just quarterbacks, all players in the draft. And, you know, he goes through these facts that he sees with his own two eyes, not just these lazy barbershop comparisons and analogies. Like Colin Coward today was talking about chaos. Some I don't know if you guys saw that. It's like, what are you talking about, dude? Like, can yes. the guy throw it in tight windows, or can can he? What can he do? Like, is it, is he being pressured? Like, what are we doing here? Chaos. Yeah, Colin Colin Coward uses the most absurd like metaphors and comparisons all the time. And did you guys see um Mark Schlereth stick his middle finger up with a ring on at the Jets fans on Twitter with his yeah, helmet on? Like, come on, guy. Yeah. Yeah. We are going like, to be absolutely cool. insufferable once the Jets get good. I, I'm not even going to say if. I'm going to say once the Jets get good, like, Jets fans are going to be, like, obnoxious the way we've been treated and the Jets have been treated. Well, you listen to a lot of our fans on Twitter. They're still doom and gloom. Like, people, the Jets are doing things that we've been begging them to do forever. Power structure, new coach. General manager's picking his own team. We're building through the draft. Everybody wants to say build through the draft, build through the draft. The draft hasn't happened yet, and everybody's just throwing in the the white towel like they want to give up already. And give these people a chance. What you know what I'm saying? Did they play a game yet? Do we play next week? Come on, people. This is the time to be positive. Why can't we say, oh, maybe Zach Wilson can be our Patrick Mahomes, our Deshaun Watson, our Aaron, our Aaron Rodgers, and. Why does it have to be? Oh, he's going to be Mark Sanchez. Oh, he could be – like I saw one guy. I forgot. I listened to a podcast. It's with Dane Brugler of The Athletic. I forgot who the guy was. He's like, oh, he reminds me a lot of Sam Darnold. Like, oh, <laughs> what a comparison that is, right? Give me a break. Uh, I think the perfect thing to say to that in, in terms of this conversation would be what Sam Darnold said. He said, have fun and don't listen to the media <laughs> uh, at his press conference today. So uh, yeah, definitely some, some good advice for Zach Wilson there. Yeah, yeah, and and we we talked about Colin Coward before. He's saying the praises for Sam Darnold when the Jets drafted him because he was oh, a he USC loved guy. Him. He loved he was a USC guy, and he had ties to USC. <laughs> Thick, chunky, coastal kid. <laughs> yeah, is what he and, liked to call him. And when he was talking about guys making plays in chaos, it made no sense. His 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 argument was, oh, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Drew Brees never made those chaos plays that you see like Zach Wilson make, Russell Wilson make at times. 
my argument to him would be, okay, well, have you seen those three guys run? They, they run like they have cinder blocks <laughs> on their feet. <laughs> if they could, they would make those types of plays, but they couldn't. They were just obviously really gifted at the line of scrimmage, which comes with age and experience. So uh, I don't know what he's saying there because I don't know if you guys remember, he wants to go through, go through those three guys. Peyton Manning, his rookie year, was horrible. I don't know how good he was yeah. the second year, but rookie year was terrible. Brady didn't play his first year. And Drew Brees was absolutely horrible. Not horrible with the Chargers, but wasn't what Drew Brees became with the Saints. So just another ha-ha Jets analogy there. And I'm getting sick and tired of it. I hope Zach Wilson uses that as fuel to the fire. Definitely hope yeah. so, too. Yeah. Well, guys, um, we did talk about Sam Darnold briefly there. Uh, a lot of his comments today were positive for the most part. I didn't really like the thing that he said about how, like, about being wanted. It's like, guy, you should have played better or else we wouldn't be having this this day today. But the reality of the situation is you threw for nine touchdowns and 11 interceptions last year. That's pretty god-awful. I think any quarterback can do that in this league. So you have nobody to blame but yourself there. Um, what did you guys take away from Sam, Sam's press conference? He had a lot of nice things to say about the Jet fans, Joe Douglas, and, you know, just uh, take me through that. Are you guys still wishing Sam well? or? Oh, definitely wishing Sam well. He, he seemed not, not emotional, but uh, I'm trying to think of the word. Uh, he'll remember us fondly. I would love to hear his off-the-record thoughts on Adam Gase because he'll never badmouth them to, in public, I should say. But, you know, I, I'll be rooting for him all the way. He's a class act. Yeah, I definitely agree with Sean there. You know, definitely still rooting for him. Um, in terms of, like, what he said about not feeling wanted, I kind of get that from, like, an athlete perspective where obviously he didn't perform his best. But at the end of the day, the Jets chose Zach Wilson over him. You know, that's just the honesty of the situation. But, um, yeah, he was he's a class act. You know, he's not going to badmouth anybody. Um, still wish him well. Um, but, you know, I, I want Zach Wilson to just be better than what he was, at, you know, for sure. I don't think that'll be hard to do, especially <laughs> Sam's last yeah. year here. Um, better days are ahead for the Jets. Speaking of uh, good things ahead, we have Joe on the line now. I would just like to welcome him in. Hey, Joe, what's going on? You're on with uh, Jake, Lorenzo, and Sean. Nothing much, man. Just finished work. Getting ready to talk some Jets. Thanks for having me on, guys. Of course, of course. So, Joe, what are you, how are you feeling right now? Are you uh, feeling optimistic about this group? Do you think we have the right people in charge? Um, you know, a lot of people are doom and gloom on, on Twitter these days. So, what do you think? Do you, where are you going with the quarterback position? Take us through your overall plans for, for this offseason right now. We'd love to hear them. I mean, I'm pretty optimistic. I mean, how can you not be? We got a ton of free agents we just signed. We have a ton of draft picks between this year and next year. It looks like we have the right GM in place. We have a fantastic head coach prospect so far. Nobody really knows what this guy is going to be like until we start to see him kind of implement everything. But all the signs so far point to him being a great coach. So if it were me, I'm more on the side of Justin Fields over Zach Wilson. But I don't think you can really go wrong either way. I think both have insane talent. I think the only difference – to where I lean more Justin over Zach Wilson. Um, I know everybody talks about the injury concerns, and it's kind of more off of that. With me, the labrum isn't so much the issue. It's more of 
I see him throw all these off-platform throws, and you see a lot of times where he's jumping and throwing, his feet aren't necessarily set, his feet are kind of offline and target, and I feel like that's just going to put a lot of stress on the shoulder. And as you being a baseball guy, you kind of know how those things wear and tear after a while if he's throwing it 30, 40 times a game. And uh, I just think long-term that's more of a concern for me. Um, I think with the 49ers system that we might be implementing, it might be a little bit more quarterback friendly and make things a little easier for Justin Fields, who has insane talent, both as a runner and a passer. So, yeah, I'm pretty optimistic about everything so far this offseason. Yeah, it's I definitely agree in terms of like the stress on the shoulder and, you know, you got to get the, you know, the footwork down and, and making sure your body's connected and everything like that. Um, how do you feel about Justin's leadership traits compared to Zach Wilson? I mean, I think it speaks for himself for Justin. I mean, he he led that Big Ten trying to get football back this year for college. He was kind of the voice of that movement. Um, he's always been in the spotlight, and you've never kind of seen him shy away from that. And he was a quarterback at Ohio State. I mean, that's a major top five, top ten program in college football, and he's been able to hold that without any issues. Um, and it's Kind of the same for Zach Wilson. Yeah, he, he started as a freshman, went through a little controversy there after a shoulder injury, but this man was driving 10 hours every weekend to go work with John Beck on his mechanics and just grow and develop as a quarterback and as a player. And I mean, that just speaks for himself. This guy's willing to put in the time and effort to get better and be a pro. So I'm, I'm pretty confident in either aspect for whichever one you want to go with. Hey, Lorenzo, you were talking about the overall not being a captain, quote-unquote, or voted yeah. a captain to start the mm -hmm. season. Because it's really interesting. If you look at it more in-depth and not lazy like Rich Chimini of ESPN did, he actually became a captain. He didn't have the starting job, number one. And if you look at the people at BYU that were captains, they were like 24. They were like fifth-year seniors. It's kind of – you know what I'm saying? Like, these were mature men, where Zach Wilson, I think he – what is he, 21 years old, if I'm not mistaken? So, you know – it wasn't that he wasn't respected as a teammate. It's they had a bunch of candidates that could have been captains that have been BYU football players for years, even before he was starting as a freshman. So I absolutely hated that. And it just seemed like typical Samini, just not doing his background homework and just throwing something out there, hoping it'll stick for clicks. And go ahead, Joe. I'm sorry. No, I, I mean, I agree. From uh, an interview I heard with one of the tight ends on the BYU team, um, he kind of mentioned that because of that controversy between Zach not knowing if he was actually going to win that starting job or not, coming off his uh, 2020 season where he kind of had that down year, they were just kind of waiting for whoever won that battle to give him the team captain award there for that quarterback position. They didn't want to automatically select Zach, and then if by some chance he gets beat out, then it kind of looks bad that your backup quarterback's your captain. So. Um, I think he kind of proved his, his worth and his abilities when he won that battle and ended up coming out on top and having a spectacular season. So it's good. I never knew that. Yeah. yeah. How would you um, like for the Jets draft to play out after pick number two? I mean, if it's me, I would love to see like a guy like Vera Tucker or Tevin Jenkins being there at 23, um, just kind of stressing what JD has always thought and building up on the wall. Um, I think ideally after 23, whether you look to address corner there or offensive line. I think 34 is that sweet spot where you're looking at um, possibly a guy like Creed Humphreys falling to now fill that kind of interior void at center and giving whoever we draft at quarterback that 
connection with the center now for long term throughout their career. Um, and if somebody like that comes off the board, I'd probably stay away from like a Landon Dickerson just due to that injury injury history and concerns. The couple surgeries with the knee bother me a little bit. Um, I think if Humphrey, Humphreys is off the board at 34, I'm looking at one of their wide receivers, possibly um, Tooney or Mo, uh, Elijah Moore falling at 34. Joe, this is a really good call so far. A lot smoother than our last uh, caller who we brought on last time. It was pure <laughs> chaos in the beginning. And then we, we kind of leveled everything out as we listen, went along in the program. So Listen, I'm not, I'm not – I'm not drafting Kyle Trask around here. No, um, no. He, yeah, yeah. You know, he, he's a good guy. So, yeah. Anyway, yeah, Joe. No, it's all good. Well, the guy who we talked about last show, I, I know you listened to us uh, a lot. We, first off, would like to thank you for that. But we seem to be gravitated towards Caleb Farley at 23 if he's there. What are your thoughts there on the injury history? Is that too big of a red flag for you? Would you rather address that offensive line, which is obviously a big need for this team? or maybe even a pass rusher if one's there. I'm sure we could use another one on the opposite side of Carl Lawson. So take us through your thought process there. Um, I mean, I would take a swing at Caleb Farley if he's there. I know he just recently cleared out on all the medicals. Um, so that kind of knocks that concern down. Uh, you know, the talent is there. You know, the athleticism is there. You know, he could thrive in this Salah system. But when you look at what G, uh, Robert Sell has always had it's a fantastic front seven and he's really stressed that defensive line uh the 49ers really didn't have that great of secondary outside of Richard Sherman so I think he's going to put more of an emphasis on the pressure where I think cornerback might slip a little bit in the draft you might be looking at them drafting somebody at 66 whereas I think that option for an edge if you see a guy like Jalen Phillips fall at 23 or um, pay fall from Michigan to 23. Those guys have a ton of talent, a ton of athleticism, a ton of burst, and you could see them taking a swing at somebody like that at 23. I like Phillips a lot. Yeah, Phillips is a good one. Um, in terms of just like the general offseason, I think we all can agree that we would have liked um, Joe Douglas just to maybe add a veteran cornerback or just address some of the needs um, more. How, what are your thoughts on the free agent aspect of um, the offseason so far? Yeah, I mean, he, he's hit on a couple, and, and like you said, there's been some misses. I mean, personally, I would have loved to see seen Tooney, but who can fault him for being one of the richest yeah. guards going to play on the Chiefs? Yeah. I, I can't knock him for that. Um, but, yeah, I would have loved to have seen him take a swing at one of these younger corners coming out, like Fuller or somebody. Um, but there is still a vet, couple veterans out there that he could pick up after the draft, kind of, if he doesn't get one of those top corners fall to him and either one around one or two, he could then kind of fall back on – a veteran after the draft, like a Steven Nelson from uh, Pittsburgh. So, yeah, so the 49ers use like a ground and pound like style of offense. So, and, and use multiple backs. So, is there any guys in the draft that you would like to target at the running back position? Yeah, it's, it's hard to say if we're going to go which way LaFleur is going to go. I mean, if you look at what the 49ers run, they look for more of those kind of one cut burst backs. If you look at what the Packers run, I mean, Aaron Jones is a little bit bigger of a back, kind of more like a Trey Sermon type of style. So um, I think with the preference that we put on having run blocking receivers, um, either way, I'm thinking we're going to look for more speed getting to the edge and kind of take advantage of the, those blocking receivers downfield. So I kind of look more towards um, like a Chuba 
Hubbard later kind of in the draft, like rounds four or five. Um, Jarrett Patterson from Buffalo later in the draft. One of those shiftier speed backs that can kind of get to the edge and cut up field. Wow, you did your homework there. Those are a lot of guys we definitely uh, – we've talked about a lot. I like Hubbard a lot. Um, so you're definitely out on ETN at 34, Najee Harris at 23 or maybe 34 if he's there. I, I think, I mean, for the people out there looking to make some money, I saw the, all the over-unders. Najee Harris is 32 and a half right now. I think that's an under that is a lock. But what, what are your thoughts on those two guys possibly earlier? I mean, I, I'd love it. But if you, you kind of look at how uh, Douglas has drafted throughout his career, I mean, the Eagles really didn't take a swing at a running back early in the draft until they kind of thought they had all those pieces set or with the Super Bowl and everything. Then they took a swing at Sanders early in the draft because they already had all that talent. I mean, right now we have so many holes at, we still have holes at interior offensive line, at tight end, at receiver, at cornerback, I mean, at linebacker. We're, we got holes all over this roster. It's kind of hard for me to justify picking a running back so early in the draft when there's so many other needs that have higher value at that position. Um, I think we could get a steal, somebody in rounds four, five, six that can kind of plug in and do pretty good for us, especially in a running back by committee. We're not looking for that workhorse back to go in there and take 25, 30 carries a game. I mean, I think all of our backs are shooting in that 10 to 15 at most kind of range for carries. So it'd be hard for me to want to justify that early of a pick on one of those guys. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think if we would have had a better free agency spending wise in terms of like filling in those holes, I would have, you know, dreamed about an ETN or Najee Harris on this team. But I definitely agree that like we have too many holes to fill. We have to draft, you know, interior offensive line cornerbacks in these earlier rounds. But um, and just in terms of the draft, do you have any sleepers that you're looking at, um, you know, maybe in like rounds four, four through seven? Let me look at my list here. Uh, I'm a big fan of the interior offensive lineman from uh, Illinois, Kendrick Green. Uh, I think he, he's going to be a fantastic fit in the zone offense if we're running that for a running uh, offensive lineman. Uh, I'm a big fan of Elijah Mitchell, the running back from uh, Louisiana Tech. Uh, just I think he's going to be a great prospect. Um, some other guys I like is Josh Palmer out of Tennessee, wide receiver. I think he's one of the top route runners of this draft. Um, let's see. The Anthony. center out of Stanford, Drew Dalman. Uh, this guy put up like 30 reps on the bench press for a center around his pro day. I think wow. both his speed and his uh, strength, I mean, really showcased. So he was a little under, undersized initially coming out of Stanford for the draft. I think they had him weighed in at like, 286 but since then for his pro day I think he bumped up just over 300 so that could be a pretty good fit in this system for a later round center if we don't get someone like Creed Humphreys earlier in the draft. Is Anthony Schwartz on there by any chance or? He, he is a guy that I like I mean he's a burner and he's got size um, I, I know you've given him some love earlier in the podcast he's he's a good prospect I think he could be huge if they pick him up say rounds five or six of the draft. Um, if you want a deep sleeper, one of my deep sleepers, I don't even know if this guy's going to get drafted. He's from the Citadel. Uh, his name is Willie Eubanks. He's a linebacker. This guy's a tackling machine. He kind of fits that JD mold, 6'2", 6'3", around 230. He's all over the field. Um, he's in FCS football, 
So not really big name, doesn't get a lot of uh, recognition, but this guy was a defensive player for the conference. Um, had over, I believe, uh, almost 100 tackles both two years ago and last year, this past year, obviously with COVID and everything, kind of had reduced numbers. But this guy's just got a nose for the ball. Love it. Definitely write yeah. it down. <laughs> I know it's before the draft, so definitely a lot to be determined with the team. But what are your like expectations for next year? Hopefully something better than 2-14. and 14. Um, I, I mean, I, I'd hate to put high expectations on this team. I'd love to see something closer to 500. I mean, even a, a four-win four win increase is going to be something pretty impressive for me, especially because this team really shouldn't have won two games last year um, with the way they played. But I just think having Salah as a coach is just going to all around bring a sort of energy and excitement to this team where they're going to be competing week in and week out. And that's what I want to see in year one. And then next year, I'm going to look for the big jump in wins going up to nine, 10, 11 wins. So I think if they get anywhere in that six to nine win range this year, I'm going to, I'm going to count that as a win. Well, it's crazy because they won seven games the year before um, last year with the same team, essentially outside of Robbie Anderson. I can't think of, too many other big losses from the team. Uh, Jamal Adams, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, I, I guess that's fair. But it, we were in some games this year, man. Like, it wasn't all horrible. Like, the Patriots game was a winnable game. The Bronco game was winnable. We should have won the Raiders game if they simply called the right defense. If Greg Williams wasn't just trying to sabotage Adam Gase and have 0-16 attached to the coaching staff, they, they probably win that game. Um, but, yeah. Joe, while, while, we're, uh, while we're on the subject of the season – Obviously, with the draft coming up, I hate to backtrack like that. What are your ideal? Like, give me, give me your first three, give me your first three rounds for this team. Like, ideal. If it were up to Joe, Joe were making the picks. Um, believe it or not, I've actually we 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 are very smitten with Caleb Farley. But I I want to shout out my uh, my OG co-host over here, Cardarius Tony from Florida is pretty damn good. Like, if that's the direction we go at wide receiver, like I will not complain at all. That guy is just a flat-out human joystick. He looks like, kind of looks like Jerry Judy from last year, but a little bit more physical, to be completely honest with you. So um, what are your thoughts there? Like, take us through your first three rounds. Uh, I, I would love to see the direction you're going with, whether it's helping out the cornerback depth chart, uh, another edge rusher. Uh, obviously, the quarterback needs help. So let's hear it, Joe. Yeah, I mean, ideally, I would look to, to try to get into your offensive line or like a give me tackle some names, guard you know what I'm saying? Like so first probably, three rounds. All right, 23, we're going Tevin Jenkins, tackle guard kind of prospect. Um, I'd start him out of tackle. If he beats out Fant, fantastic, play him out of tackle. If he kind of – you see him struggling a little bit to grasp, grasp the concept, maybe bump him into guard for his first year and then let him bump back out to tackle. I think 34, ideally, you have somebody like a Caleb Farley that falls because of the injury – if not, then you're looking at a corner like Eric Stokes out of Georgia, I'd say, at 34. So one of those two if they're there. Um, then we're going all the way to 66. Then I'm looking – then I'm starting to look a little bit more back either at the skill positions, looking to see if any of the top running backs fall. If not, we're looking at a wide receiver like a Tylen Wallace possibly there, kind of filling out that depth at wide receiver. Um, another name, I don't think he's going to be there, but a name I would easily take over – Tylen Wallace would be Brevin Jordan at 66. If he's there, he's my man. I'm going for him. Um, then at 86, we're looking to go back to the offensive line, looking to see if we can snag somebody. Um, if you were 
if you're more ideal fit for Tevin Jenkins is to play guard. I'm looking at a name like Spencer Brown at 86, the uh, offensive tackle. Guy's a freak of an athlete, big guy, 6'8", 315. Um, would really be a great developmental prospect out there. No receivers, huh? Well, that well, that's that pick uh, like Tyler Wallace, you're, yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. You're looking at a guy like Tyler Wallace, or if he's not there, like I said, if somebody like Brevin Jordan is still there, that that's my move there. I'm going tight end over wide receiver at 66 if you can. And then the running backs, gotcha. I'm, I see the plan. Yeah, running back. I'm looking. That's like my my 107. That's every time I get to 107, anytime I do a mock draft, draft simulator, 107, that's where I'm picking running back because you see the guys like um, Trey Sermon being there available. You get like the Kenny Gainwells falling there at 107 sometimes, and I'm looking at those guys there. So I'm with you, Sean. I like Cardarius Tony a lot. I just want to put it one. out there. <laughs> hey, I, if, if he's there at – I mean, if he's there at 34, that's where I'm taking a swing. I'm not taking a swing at him at 23. Um, he's definitely in the conversation at 34 for me. But you wouldn't live. You wouldn't be able to live with, let's say, Creed Humphrey at 34 and Kadarius Tony at. I feel like that's an insane start yeah. to the draft right there. Yeah, I mean, I would take it. I'm not going to complain. I'm not going to complain. You're not going to see me moping around. Oh man, we should have done this. We should have done that. I mean, I'm going to take it at Tony at 23. Then, if you're guaranteeing guaranteeing me Creed Humphreys at 34 I'll take Tony at 23 yeah, it's like you know give go all in on offense you know what I'm saying I know corner yeah. is important but that's why we talked about it last show like Farley's too good for me to pass up there you get what I'm saying yeah. if it was yeah. somebody like the kid from uh Northwestern Newsom I feel like that's a little bit of a reach for a corner you get what I'm saying I feel like the talent isn't exactly the 23rd overall pick it's just the Jets being so desperate for a corner so yeah. it's either Farley a blue chip caliber prospect or we really go all in on this offense and make the most out of our investment, unlike we didn't do last time with Sam. So that, I would just like to see that for a change and really have full court press towards getting the most out of Zach Wilson and giving him an actual shot to succeed here, uh, unlike Darnold. But that, that's just my opinion. I, I definitely agree. I think just prioritizing the offense in general is something that we talked about this on, on prior shows, but Joe Douglas really needs to really, you know, put some emphasis on this offense and, and really build so we can have a, a good team for the foreseeable future. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. What are your thoughts on the wide receivers we already have on the team right now? Um, I, I, I'm pretty confident in the group. I mean, it's definitely better than anything I think Sam has had in the last couple of years. Um, you're looking at Davis at worst. He's a, he's a number two at best. He shows you he's a number one. I feel like Mims kind of falls in that same category right now. I kind of say he's, he's a two, three kind of prospect, but he's got all the talent in the world to be up to be as good as a number one wide receiver. You're just hoping he kind of continues to develop and we actually throw him the ball once in a while. Um, Crowder, I mean, he's a target machine, but let's hope he stays healthy for all 16 games. And I think if we take somebody like Tony earlier in the draft, you could see Crowder get on the trade block or even be cut before training camp, just with that 10 million salary cap hit. So, and then Cole's a good depth piece. Um, he, he had good numbers in Jacksonville, but he was nothing spectacular. I mean, if he fills out and is our wide receiver four, I'm happy with that. So. I'd gladly get rid of Crowder. If that meant getting Tony in here. Sign me up. 
sign me up. Absolutely. Joe, before we uh, wrap up and we get through our uh, closing remarks, let's just say, what are your thoughts on possibly trading up from 23 or trading back into the second round after 34? Like maybe they got that second round pick for Sam for next year in hopes of using it for this year to maybe getting another piece to help up the offense and the new quarterback that they take. So what are your thoughts there on possibly trading up or maybe even down from 23? Yeah, I think there's a ton of talent in this draft from that 30, 30 range to about 66 where we're picking in the beginning of the third round. I mean, there's loaded talent in the second round. Um, so I could definitely see a trade back. If I'm trading up, I'm giving a call to Arizona. Uh, I believe last time I checked, I think they only have five picks in this draft. So if Something you can like move that, up yeah. to that, yeah, if you can get that move up in the draft, maybe throw them, pick uh, 146 we have, or 154, I think, is the other one we have in that round. If you can maybe give them one of those and maybe one of those future picks we just got from Sam, I'll be at the second or fourth, depending on kind of the bargaining with the draft, move up and try to get somebody if they're falling, like Jalen Waddell, if they happen to make a fall in the draft, or if you see somebody like J.C. Horn falling or slipping a little bit. Um, I don't know if I would move up for Vera Tucker. But it's definitely a possibility if GD wants to put an emphasis on building this line. But definitely if there's a guy like Waddle or Horn or Sertain kind of falling, I would definitely make a move up to try to get one of those guys. An Alabama corner again? Uh, I don't know if we're doing that. Ah, Brings I back. mean, hey, <laughs> that, he's got that family ties to the NFL. His father was a fantastic corner for years. I mean, it's hard, but I, I would definitely take a risk on him. He, he's got all the talent and physical tools, and he doesn't have that injury history like Milner had. So it's worth a swing to me. Yeah. For the record, before we wrap up, uh, the two guys I would trade up for personally is Kyle Pitts, if he falls past the top ten, which I think he's going top five probably. And uh, Rashawn Slater from uh, Northwestern is going to be a big-time tackle. Like. Yeah. No doubt in my mind. Love them, love them, love them. Joe, this was excellent. This was a really, really good call. Had a lot of fun. I think I speak for both of these guys. Uh, tell our listeners where they can follow you and uh, interact with you. Yeah, I'm on Twitter. Uh, I believe it's just Joe Horning one I'm on Instagram, too. But don't really post a whole lot on there. Mostly just Twitter. Just You can find me in pretty much any Jets post, filling up the mentions, retweeting it, throwing in comments. Um, I'm all over there. So, yeah. Well, thanks again for listening to the show. We really hope to have you back on. This was uh, a lot of fun, like I mentioned. Thanks, yeah, man. no problem. Thanks Absolutely. for having me. Thank Love you, Joe. being on. Anytime, guys. Yep. And for everybody else, uh, we'll be back on Thursday with a full 32 team mock draft for the first round, having a little bit of fun with the NFL draft coming up in two weeks. And uh, for Jake Lorenzo, Sean, we'll see everyone. Bye bye. Oh, Jets.